What's up, everybody? I hope you're doing great. I hope you're having a wonderful day. I hope that you can feel God's presence and Him doing amazing things. For those of you that are watching online, thank you so much for being part of us. There's nothing like being in the room, like you can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, but we understand sometimes you have to watch on a screen somewhere, watch on YouTube, watch you know, on Facebook Live. We're so glad that you're with us. And so before we get rolling in the message, I wanted to just share some encouraging things. For us as a church, we have a big vision. We have a big big audacious vision statement that we live by and make decisions by. And I want to share it with you because I know many of you are new to Grace Church. And so our vision statement is this, it's Grace Church exists to transform the space coast with the radical love of Jesus. And so that's what we're all about. That's who we are. That's what we're going after. And to me, you know, today is a fantastic day where we can do that. We can share Christ's love uh, with those that are in need, with those that, that are looking for something to connect with. And so maybe you, maybe you're checking Grace Church out. Maybe you're hoping to become part of something. I wanted to share with you, you, you're, you found it. Like if you're looking for a great, healthy church that's life-giving and, and is part of the community, you found it. Like we wanna help you recognize that your purpose can be greater by being part of us, by being part of our church. And so, cause God wants to do amazing things in and through the church and you're part of it. And we are absolutely community-minded. And so I just wanted to encourage you with that. You know, we've been in a series over these last several weeks, this whole entire month actually, uh, called Fear Not. And so we've been talking about fear. We've been addressing our fears and, and I hope that you've experienced some breakthroughs, some, some great things that God is doing. And so, like I have you know, one more message in this, in this series and then next month, we're gonna start a series on the Holy Spirit. So you don't wanna miss that. Uh, it's gonna be powerful. We're gonna be diving into particular aspects of the book of Acts. And, and so how many of you have enjoyed this series though? Just give me a clap, give me a yeah, like woo. Awesome, yeah, awesome, I love it. So many breakthroughs have been happening. We appreciate you guys sharing them with us. You know, there's been incredible things that God is doing and we love to be part of that. So let me pause right now though and pray. Uh, before I get rolling in this message. And so, Lord God, we come before you. Uh, Father, we thank you for your power, your authority, and who you are. God, we recognize you as our father, as our dad, and we love you so much. You're amazing. Your love for us just, it spills over. Lord, it's overflowing. We thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit that you give to us. And so, Lord, as we talk, as, as we dive into your scripture, into your word today, uh, Lord, would you enlighten us? Would you encourage us? Would you challenge us uh, with the things that we need to hear for this moment in this time? Lord, that you have brought us here. And Lord, I ask that you would speak through me as we digest what you're gonna communicate in Jesus' name, amen. So one of the final areas uh, that I wanted to talk about, uh, really that's holding us back in fear. You know, I've talked about fear on a number of different levels. Uh, I hope that you've been able to have been part of it. If not, you know, this is your first Sunday. We're so glad you're here because I've, I've shared how fear is like a prison. It's like an invisible barred prison where we're held in, we're held captive by particular things. And every single week we focus on the reality that God has a better way. God has a different way for us. We don't have to be held in by fear any longer. And so today is no different. But the reality is, is there's so many different ways that fear plays out. Uh, it plays out in so many different aspects from, from our family, from our past, in our mind, and in our emotions. And, and so what happens is fear actually prevents us from living a full and complete life. Uh, Jesus actually promised us this, where he says, when you're in me, you can have a full abundant like overflowing, more than enough type life and it's dynamic. And when I share this last thing that we're gonna talk about regarding our fear, you're probably gonna wanna clap because the last area that like week number five, I wanted to bring it home with this one 
You know, the area that we have allowed fear to imprison us is in our money. Thank you so much. Like, I know, I knew that you wanted to clap. I know that you wanted to clap. Like, when you're going, yes, like, we're going to drive it home. And all of a sudden, your heart just sunk, didn't it? You're like, oh, they're going to talk about money. Uh, so what you've already done is you've already, you already have this notion in your mind. You're going, oh, I guess I don't have to listen for the next 30 minutes. Or you're going, wow, I'm curious what perspective he's going to take. So I just would ask that you would give me an opportunity to teach you God's word and what it says and what it communicates. Because here at Grace Church, we believe that God's word is a guide for us. We believe that God gives it to us for insight, for direction, for guidance, you know, in the decisions that we're making. But more and more people in this culture are trying to to discredit the Bible. They're trying to discredit the word of God and say, nah, it's not for me. It's irrelevant. It's not, it's not correct. There's errors in it. Nope, I'm gonna take certain parts of it and you know the parts that I like and maybe some of you do that where you're going, hey, I really like this part about God blessing me and doing super cool stuff and, but this part over here, you know, nah, not so much. So we, we don't follow after that one. So today I'm gonna be in Mark chapter 10. So in, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Mark chapter 10. And if you've been in church uh, for a number of years, you probably thought I was going to say Malachi 3. Nope, Mark 10, baby. That's where we're going. And because when it comes to money, if you want results like the culture has and like the culture is getting, then you need to make decisions the way that culture is. And you continue in those decisions if, that how you, if that's how you're doing it. But if you want to eradicate fear... Like if you want to remove fear from your finances, then I believe that you've got to begin to make financial decisions according to God's word. And that's extremely important because every single one of us, we have made wrong financial decisions. I mean, come on, every single one of us. That's why that whole idea about buyer's remorse is real and we've all felt it. You know, we bought something that didn't work out, whether it's a, a property, an investment. Maybe you bought a car that was a lemon and, and you're going, man, I wish I, we could just drive this into a lake and collect insurance. And, and, and so like, I get it. I totally get it because there's, there's fear of making mistakes. And what that is, is that's, that's the fear of failure. And that's very real. And we have the fear of failure when it comes to our finances, when it comes to money. But that fear is holding us captive and I believe that God has a better way. We don't have to be imprisoned by our finances any longer. And so let's get to this place where we're not letting worry and fear imprison us. And we actually can move beyond that because God teaches something different. Before we get into Mark 10, I wanted to read something to you that Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 6. Because God is our provider. So Jesus says this. He's like, hey, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. And so today we're gonna talk about the fear regarding our finances and how that affects us. And so when fear rises up, there are a number of responses and issues that we have and we face. And so the first one that I want to give to you is that when our identity is wrapped up in money. Because there was this one time when Jesus was out, he was teaching among the people and among the crowds. A lot of people were following him. It was so cool. Signs, wonders, miracles, healings, just incredible things happened. So people would come up and they would ask him questions. And so one time this rich young man, you know, comes up and he says, hey, 
you know, Jesus, how do I get eternal life? You know, and here's the deal. Like, I think that's a legit question. I mean, we would want to know, am I doing it right? Am I going to make it? You know, when my days are done, am I going to get to heaven? You know, and, and so he asked this question and Jesus gives, you know, honestly, quite a, a little bit of a simple response. He says, follow the commands of God. You know, the law of Moses, the commands that God gives to us, follow after those. And this young man, you could tell he's ambitious. If he's, if he's rich and he's young, he probably either came from wealth or, or was able to make wealth, you know, at a young age, which either way, it's great. But he's, he's a person of influence who so he's going but I want, I want a little bit more. Like what, what more is out there? And, and I love just his desire and, and the drive to do that because he's like, I did all those things. And so is there, is there anything else? And then Jesus begins to speak to him and communicate. So we find ourselves in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There still is one thing that you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad for he had many possessions. So here Jesus, you know, gives this example, gives his response, like, you, go, you know, be, be, follow God's commands. And, and then he's like, I want more. And then he says, wow, go and, go and sell everything. And, and this dude probably had some wealth. He probably had some nice things, obviously, because he, he decides that he's not going to do that. But the thing that's interesting is Jesus did not ask him to do anything different than he had asked anybody else. Because every single time when Jesus is recruiting disciples, he says, come and follow me. And so that's actually one of the things that I love, love, love about Christ and who he is. You know, I, I, I love the decision to follow Christ and where we have that moment, you know, where we have the belief come in and we confess our sins. That's great. But I love the following. I'm like, hey, if, you, if you're passionate in following Jesus, then you're going to get there. Like you're, you're passionate in following after him. And so that's what Jesus is telling this guy. He's like, come and follow me. Like leave everything because Peter had to leave all of his fishing stuff, him and his brother, all the other guys, you know, they did other things. Matthew was a tax collector, got up and left everything. And so the, Jesus is not asking him to do anything different than he had asked anybody else, leaving everything behind because that's the area of surrender. I mean, you and I, he's saying the same thing to you and I. Are we willing to put up our hands and go, you know what, I've tried to do it on my own and it's not working and I'm tired, and I feel alone, I'm, I'm just stressed out, and there's gotta be a better way. And so that way is surrender, where Jesus says, come and follow me. And so I have to ask you the question though, is there something in your life that you're not willing to give up to follow after him? Because think about this opportunity that this rich young man had. I'm a little bit jealous of it, maybe you are as well. Can you imagine if Jesus is standing right here and he's like, I want you to follow me. That would be legit. Like, that would be so awesome. I'd be like, yes! Can my wife and kids come too? And, and you know, and maybe they would come. Maybe he'd let them come. But he's like, hey, I want you to sell everything. Would you do that? I mean, it's, it's very, very poignant. He was asking a lot. But nothing different than he asks you and I where we live this life of surrender. So the question is, is there something that you wouldn't give up to follow him? And in asking this question, you know, one of the very few things, if we're honest, that we would be unwilling to give up would be wealth or comfort, our possessions, finances, resources, something related to that. 
if we're totally honest, we're like, mm, man, I don't know if I could do that because we kind of like our life. Let's be honest. And so here this rich young man was in this position, had the opportunity of a lifetime, and he passed on it because he wanted to keep his stuff. And so after he leaves, Jesus addresses the situation and continues in verse 23. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astounded. Then who in the world can be saved, they asked. Now, they're going, what's the deal? Like, what are you talking about? Like, why is it hard for rich people to enter? Because here's, here's what's going on in this culture, in the Jewish culture and in this era, what they believed was if you were a person of affluence or wealth, then it came because God blessed you. And I totally get that. I totally understand where you look at somebody and you go, wow, God must really be blessing them. You know, they must be living right. They must be doing something good. God must give them, you know, wisdom with their business. And that would be easy to do. But that's actually not what God says and does. That's not what he's communicating. So the disciples, they understand that culture. Wow, God must be blessing them. So they just go, who then is going to get in the kingdom? Because God's blessing them. They have wealth. Now, God's economy is the exact opposite of that. And we have to recognize that. That's how God works. You know, it, it says in scripture that God blesses both the rich and the poor. But, but the problem is, is we look at the rich and we think that they must be more blessed. But in fact, God focuses on those that are generous, those that are giving, those that meet the needs of others, those that have a heart of compassion. Those are the ones that God goes, yes, like that's my economy. Love towards others that need help and concern. That's what I'm all about. That's who I am. And so nothing about wealth should establish our identity in who we are and certainly not say that we're more connected to God because we are a person of more affluence in our life. Now, this whole idea and understanding about money, I had to learn, like I had to grow in this particular area. Uh, I wanted to learn, I, just, I, I wanted to, to just understand what it was to be a person of wealth and affluence and, and what that looked like. So I, I was talking to one of my friends just several years ago, uh, great guy, I'm super close with him. And I said, hey bro, like what's the deal? Because I, I, I just, I noticed that people who have money, they just, they act, they make decisions differently than people that don't. And it's just, it's true. If you acknowledge it, you'll see it and, and realize it. And so I talked to him, I said, what's, how, like, what's the deal? How, how is this working? And so he basically told me, he said, look, you know, rich people, they look at money differently because they see money as a resource to make more money. And I'm going, what? Like, he goes, so many people, they'll make money just to spend it. He goes, rich people, they see money as a tool to use to make more money. And that's how it works. That's how the cycle works for them. And so they make wise decisions. They get some, they spend some, sure. They have some things that they enjoy, no doubt. But then they're using it to make more money. And so what I decided, I was like, I've, I've got to think like that. I have to change my thought life. So I've taught my sons, you know, what that is and how, what that looks like. There's a great book out there called uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So it has great just communication about scripture and, and a way to think. So to get money and then make more money. But the problem with that, what we've got to battle is now we're fighting against greed. So there's that constant tension, 
you know, with things that we're experiencing. And so let me ask you the question, is there something in your life related to your possessions that you now have your identity wrapped up in that thing or your stuff? Because the second area where fear comes up and seems like a problem is the fear of inadequacy. I believe that every single one of us, we have this because we compare ourselves to other people. And when we do that, we feel less than, we feel inadequate because really what it is, is what's the next thing that you want? We all have a wish list, birthday list, Christmas is coming up. So if I were to say, gosh, I really would be more happy if I bought blank, what would you fill in the blank? Gosh, I would love to buy a new car. Gosh, I, I would love to have a new truck. I would feel better driving a newer car or, or we're living in a 3-2 and it'd be awesome to have a 4-2. If you're in a 4-2, you're going, when do we get a 5-3? You know, it's like we're constantly looking at what we can get next. You know, and if, you, if you've got a phone and you're going, man, I want that phone with the three cameras on the back. Like I would love to upgrade and have that. That way my selfies are better and you know, my videos are higher quality and high def. And, and so like, please understand that I am right here in this grind with you because homeboy got some new boots like that's what I got you know so it's like I, you gotta have some boots and it's like so what is it I would feel like more of a man if I could preach in cool cowboy boots like when where is our, our identity wrapped up in stuff and just I mean come on our culture is inundated with this idea and the mentality that our identity is connected to our possessions that's the way culture works. And that's what retailers want you to believe. You have to understand that. And, and so what happens is we have this big goal, this big dream, this thing that we think is gonna satisfy us. And oftentimes we use debt to get that item, to get that uh, particular thing. And, and then in scripture, it talks about how when we use debt, we actually become enslaved to our indebtedness. And what that means is that item and that possession actually is owning us instead of us owning it. And you, I guarantee, have felt the weight of what debt is. You have felt the pressure of debt and how heavy it is. You have felt the pressure of the fear and concern that you won't make a payment, like of missing a payment. That's a real thing that every single one of us have experienced. And what it does, it breeds worry and it breeds fear, and it affects all of our decisions regarding our finances. Because Jesus continued in Matthew 6, in verse 24, he said this, he said, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, and you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. So what has crept into your life, crept into your finances, that now is dictating your decisions and the decisions that you make regarding money. What is it? It could be that boat that you always wanted. You're going, if we just had a boat, we could go out on the, on the river as a family. It'd be so much fun. And, and now you're like, that boat, you're going, man, I can't wait to get rid of that thing. Or if it would just sink, we would do insurance. Man, that would be awesome. Like, can we just drop the anchor through the hull? And please, 
Or, or maybe it's a particular toy that you have. You know, we all think we need this other thing and, and you, now your life is surrounded on that and, and you're dumping loads of money in it and, and it could be just any type of particular debt, something that you think that you need and just, it's, it's just dominating your thoughts. And, and the thing that's interesting is we often think, well, if I had more money, then I could pay that debt off and then everything would be great. But there's a problem. There's a problem with that because it's proven, it's shown that the more money we get, that we then begin to make decisions to increase our lifestyle. So instead of being more generous, it's a fact that the wealthy are less generous than those that are in need. Like the, those that, that have needs meet other people's needs because they understand it and feel it. But in fact, in gaining more affluence, we become more greedy and more stingy. And so our wealth then becomes more important to us than our eternal value. Because we're fully aware in scripture how it talks about that we are to store up treasures in heaven, but yet the more money we get here on earth, the less we're investing in God's kingdom. And if you're on social media for more than, I don't know, three minutes in a day, I guarantee that the fear of inadequacy is flooding you because there are pictures after pictures and story after story of somebody that just did something that you wish you did, that you wish you could have been on, that you wish you had the money for. You know, maybe you have friends that are doing remodels. You know, remodels are a big thing. You know, maybe they're remodeling the kitchen or the bathroom or whatever. And all of a sudden, they, you know, they, they throw up their picture of the remodel and you're going, man, I wish my kitchen looked like that. They, 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 they take a picture of, of the new backsplash that they've got, you know, the subway tile. And, and some of y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, the, the, the new subway tile, you, you need that. And, and, and then you have conversations, how do we get that? How can we have subway tile? Because I have to have that in my life. Or, or gosh, if you're, if you're remodeling a particular area, uh, area in your, your room and you're going shiplap. If I don't have shiplap, our home is not like lovely. Joanna Gaines will not be pleased if we do not have shiplap. You know, those rolly doors, you know, the, the, the farm doors on the, on the track with the rolly. If you don't have 75 of those in your house, like you're no good. Like you are no good. You are not about it. You are not cool. Don't even post your pictures of your closet without the rolly door. I mean, that's just like, you've got to have that. And then for us guys, like what about garage organizers? You know, all those, those, you know, stacks of steel frame shelving and you're like, my garage is a mess. And you could, it just, I need that. And so we get it. We understand and we feel that. And, and so like we laugh and we joke, and, but it's real. And so the thing that's so interesting is you and I don't see the line of credit that that person or couple or family are using to get that particular item or do that remodel. Like they're not posting on there saying, hey, we pulled out 25 grand in equity in our home and we just, we went ahead and did our remodel. Now we're in debt more to get the remodel that you're jealous of. So please, please don't have the fear of inadequacy because you're spending money on things, on things that you really don't need and you're spending money that you don't have. And fear causes us to do that. It's the fear of inadequacy. It will dictate our decisions. It will cause us to compare towards other people. And it causes us to spend unnecessarily and it prevents us from tithing. Some of us stop tithing because we've got to pay the debt that we've incurred or we want to do this particular thing. Some of us won't start tithing because we're afraid 
that we won't have enough. If I do that, then you look at the dominoes in your budget and you don't think that it's gonna work. And that's where we get point number three, and it's the fear of insufficient funds. And this is very real. God does not say that he will give us everything that we want. That does not, that's not communicated in scripture ever. In fact, it's, it's said very clearly that God promises us that he will give us everything we need. Everything that we need. The problem is we go, I really need a car with, that's a, that's a convertible. Like, I really need that. So we start adding to our needs and our wish list and our Christmas list. Y'all are working on your Christmas list already. And you're going, why is he talking about money? Like, doesn't he understand? And like, I get it. It's so hard. Remember the cowboy boots? Like, I get it. It's a real thing. And so every single one of us, we give, we give, you give. You all do, Every, all of us give. We give to particular things. Some of you give in church. Some of you give to nonprofits. Some of you give to people in need. Some of you, your, your heart and desires, you buy meals and you give them to homeless people and a bottle of water. Like we all give, all of us. But unfortunately, a lot of us allow the fear of lack to prevent us from beginning tithing or to continue tithing. And so when you understand the biblical reality of, of money and resources and tithing, the biblical tithe is the first and it's the best. That's, I love that term, it's the best. It's like, God gave me all this stuff. Do you realize that all the stuff that you have, God gave it to you? The job that you have, that you made the good money, maybe you're in retirement now and you're living off of you know, the funds that God gave you the ability to earn that. So all those things, like what if we got to this place where I, God, I wanna give you my best because in, in biblical terms, you know, the farmers would do the harvest, you know, typically in the fall, the harvest season. And so the first portion, the, the biggest cantaloupes, those are the ones that went towards the Lord, like whatever it is. And so we have to recognize that biblical tithing is our first and our best. And there was another time in Mark chapter 12, Jesus taught on this so poignant. This is so good. Mark 12, starting in verse 41. Jesus sat down in the back of the church near the collection box and he watched as people dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. And so when you understand fear, when you understand the fear of money and possessions, wealth, and you make decisions regarding it, what that ultimately is, is we're allowing that fear to hold us back and hold us down because fear at its core, like the core of fear is we, when we look at God and we say, God, I don't trust that you can handle this situation. I'm afraid that if I do this, you aren't gonna follow through. I'm concerned and worried that if I take this step, you're not gonna be able to do the promise. That's what fear is. That's why we're afraid. It prevents us from making decisions that God actually has for us. And here's what we've gotta get. The devil wants to keep us in fear. He wants you to remain in a place of fear regarding your finances. Do you realize that he wants you imprisoned with your wealth? 
You never thought of it that way. You never realized that that's exactly what he wants to do because you have fear related to your affluence and your possessions. And one of the things, like, I'm so glad, you know, that, that God has shown me things and I've talked with people and I've read books and I've done research. And so I feel like I'm at the place where I, I make good decisions with money. Like, I, I love to do that. I enjoy praying and, and asking God's favor. And, and, and there's some things right now we're praying about. It's like, God, what about this? What about that? And, and so I've gotten to the place where I'm comfortable making decisions with my money to make more money. I'm also very comfortable about tithing and giving and giving it towards others. So here's where all this comes from. Here's a part of my story that maybe you've heard before, maybe you haven't, but I'm so thankful that, you know, 10 million years ago, I went to Oral Roberts University to study. Uh, ORU is, is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, private Christian school. I, I knew that I was supposed to go there. There was no doubt in my mind. It was very clear I was supposed to go there, study theology, you know, get my degree and all that stuff. Well, I can remember after my four and a half years, come on, four and a half, like extra, extra semester, grade forgiveness. Where are you at, young people? Like, you know what I'm talking about. I am with you in this. So four and a half years, I have that final meeting in financial aid, right? And they tell you, they give you that big stack of paper in the folder and here's all of your debt, $48,000, like a lot, a lot. And, and just, it overwhelmed me. I'm going, whoa. And so, you know, I loved college. I love my degree. I love my calling, but huh, like 48 grand, you talk about just a, a load of bricks on my shoulder. And I, I walked out and I had a super cool moment with the Lord, I'm, I left that office, walked out of the building and I'm walking through the campus and I just, I simply started to pray. I, I'm going, God, this is a big deal. How is this gonna work? You know I was supposed to be here. I know it too. And, and you knew my family situation, you brought me here. And so I got to this point though, where I'm communicating with the Lord and I started to get excited about what he was gonna do. I'm going, God, I, I'm looking forward to see how you're gonna pay this off. Cause it's gonna be so neat to see it unfold. Like, God, can you do something powerful? Can you do something miraculous for me with my debt that I'm experiencing? And you know what it was? Working hard, determination, and following a budget. That's exactly what God gave to me. And, and, and like, so here, here's the, the great part of that story. And some of you husbands are going, yes. Like, honey, did you hear that? And so here's the deal. So 48 grand within four years. Within four years, Nicole and I, we tackled it. We went after it. We followed certain particular principles to pay down that debt. Within four years, we had eradicated almost all of it. We had a friend of ours that was like, hey, I, want, I know you're struggling with the, the school loan debt. I wanna give some money here. You know, we, we were disciplined and determined. And so we worked through it. It was so very cool. And we continued to tithe through that whole time. Like that's how I grew up. That's how Nicole grew up. We decided we were gonna do that. We taught our kids how to do that. So anytime I meet with people and I talk to them about money and finance and resource, I love to do it. I, I wanna encourage you in that. But many times when I, meet when I meet with them, the ones that tithe are glad that they do and the ones that don't often wish that they could. And so my question is, which camp are you in? Are you at the place where you're like, yes, I do, and I'm so glad, or are you at the place where you're going, man, I wish I could, because what's happening is we look at our situation, we look at the mountain of debt, we look at our possessions, we look at our budget, whatever it is, the cash flow, cash management, and we go, mm, 
I just don't think I can. And so my question, my challenge is, are you willing to remove the fear that is preventing you from doing that and take a step forward to trust God and believe in faith that he actually is capable to do what he promised? And please know, I know it's hard. Right now you're going, oh, I wish he talked about something else today. I get it. So here, like at Grace Church, please understand if, if you've not been here long, you need to know we are very authentic. We are very real. We are very genuine. When Jesus spoke to that rich young man, he felt genuine love for him. My love for you is genuine. It is very real. So what we do here at Grace Church, we do this thing to help you ease into it. We want to ease your mind and the fears because it's, it's a challenge. So we offer what we call a 90-day tithe challenge. And so the 90-day tithe challenge is a money-back guarantee, 100% money-back guarantee, three months. That's the commitment that we ask. So call it November, uh, November, December, January. We ask that, hey, that you would take a step forward and you would go, I need to, I want to, I've always wanted to. If you're married, you need to talk to your spouse. You need to pray about it when you get home. No doubt, do all that. And when you get to this place that you feel like God is speaking and you're willing to take that step, in January, if it's not working, if you're going, bro, you told me and it didn't work, we will give it all back, 100%. No questions, like here's the check, here's the reimbursement, call it that if you want. That no guilt, that, that's not who we are, that's not what we're about. But I am asking you to take a step. I am challenging you to take that step forward and move that fear beyond, behind you and put it, put it beyond where, what's been holding you back. And here, let me share a couple other stories with you. This is why I'm so bold about giving you this opportunity. Because the type of church that we are, the money is handled well. I understand a lot of people are concerned about you know, financial decisions regarding church. Maybe you've seen some poor examples. Maybe you've experienced them yourself. And I'm so sorry that that's happened. That is not the case at Grace Church. Let me give you a couple of stories. So for us as a staff, uh, for Pastor Nicole and I, we are part of what's called the Next Level Relational Network. That simply is a pastor's coaching group. So pastors Matt and Sarah Keller, who are the pastors at Next Level Church, and I go this way because they're in Southwest Florida. Fort Myers over there. Uh, so they're at Next Level Church. They have the Next Level uh, Coaching Network. We've been part of that for about nine years. Love it, love them. If you were here for our building dedication on, in, in July, they were here. They are basically the apostolic covering for Grace Church, which is amazing. We love them so very much. So the staff and us, we went to the conference at the beginning of this month. Incredible, like Holy Spirit's pouring out. We're feeling empowered, encouraged all of us as a staff. And so we have all these days, these sessions. And in one of the final days, in one of the final sessions, uh, Pastor Matt and Sarah, they come up on stage and they call a young couple up on the stage with them. And so they start talking a little bit about them and their story. And then they had the couple share like their story in its entirety. So this couple, uh, they had planted a new church three years prior in Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, I don't know why. That's like, pff, who loves Omaha? They do, like Jesus needs to be there. Um, so they plant in Omaha, Nebraska. And so look at the timeline though, right? So we all know the last 18 months, COVID hits March, 2020. Well, they planted their church 18 months before that. 
So if you've started your own business, it's similar to church planning. You're going, you got the gusto, you got the drive, you got, so that first year is a big deal. And it's, sometimes it's a grind, it's rough. And so they're 18 months into it and all of a sudden, like the biggest like stomach blow that you could imagine to their church, it was just devastating. So they had to change everything, change what they're doing and their church really took a, a hard blow uh, with what was going on. So they felt called though, they knew, they're like, God, we know that you're in this. We know that this is a challenge and we're gonna persevere and push through. And so they, they moved into her mom and dad's basement. So they have two kids, they're about 12 and 14. So the four of them moved into grandparents' basement to make ends meet, to make it work. And so they had been living there for a period of time. And so pastors Matt and Sarah got up, tell this story. And they said, what if we as pastors, as a coaching network decided to make a change, to, to, to bless them financially, to, to help their situation? So he said, what if we'd said, let's get 50 grand. Let's have $50,000 given to them. They can take 30,000 personally to help them with a down payment for their home so they don't have to live in the basement. And then 20,000 that they could put towards the church building so that they could get a spot, a location so they don't have to be just online because they had some opportunities, 50 grand. Here's the thing that's incredible, right? Within 10 minutes, $120,000 was raised for this couple. Like that's amazing, that's incredible, right? And right now you're going, can I go to Next Level Conference? Yes, like, come on, baby, let's go, let's go together. So that was amazing. And so I, the reason I tell you that is because if you give to Grace Church, you gave money to that couple. Because we as a church, we gave $1,000 to them to, to help get things rolling, to, to take, have them take, take steps forward. That's you. Like when you give, your money is getting moved on. It's, it's blessing others. It's causing the kingdom to expand even in Omaha, Nebraska. That's a big deal. We've got to get it. And here's another part of the story. If you're new to Grace Church, you might not know this. Four years ago, pastors Matt and Sarah call us up and they're going, hey, we see what God is doing at Grace Church. We love Melbourne. Here's $50,000 for your new building. Yeah, you can clap at that too, because that's amazing and we love that. So 50 grand. And so just so you know their heart, we were one of six couples that got 50 grand that year, like amazing. So you understand where we're at, who we're around, what God's doing, how his blessings are happening. That's why it's, it's my honor. And it's like, I, I am so proud to tell you that Grace Church, since its inception, has given just under $1 million to missions in the community and others in need. So it's a big deal. It's a lot of money. Like that's what we're about. So if you started tithing, if you decide I'm gonna take that step, like it, it's, it's incredible. Like if you decided to do that, we could do even more. And that's what excites me. Imagine doing more. That's why I started this message with a very audacious vision statement. What if you and I got to this place where we could transform the space coast with the radical love of Jesus? And it takes resources to do that. As the lead pastor, I look across the hallway, across the lobby and I'm going, when can we start that kid's room, that kid's wing? Because if you're new here, like we have an unfinished area that we've got to finish out and we got kids going in the rooms and like our church is continuing to grow. And so as a lead team, we decided let's look at Q4 for 2021, but I'm praying and believing because I already know that these things are gonna happen. Our influence as Grace Church is going to grow. Our, our kids wing is going to get done in God's timing. 
and at the rate that you fund the vision. That's how it works. That's how we work. That's how it functions. But if you took that step forward, I just, I see what God's doing. Can you see things sometimes? I saw this building. I saw you sitting in the seat before you were ever here. And I can see the influence growing in the community, more people coming to know Christ, marriages getting healed, people that are desperate. They are desperate for you and I to share Christ's love with them in a radical and practical way. They are aching for you and I to do that. If we did those things, it would be amazing. So I know that they're gonna happen. So my prayer for you as your pastor is that you would break free of the fear in your finances and let God just be him and him be provider because he's miraculous. And so let's move beyond fear because it takes steps for you and I. It takes steps of obedience. It takes good stewardship and managing and budgeting. Like it takes all those things, but ultimately it comes down to trust. Fear is a lack of trust in God and who he is. So if we move beyond that, I believe that God just is gonna do incredible things because he wants to. And so if you guys could do me a favor, let's go ahead and stand and let's close in a time of prayer and ask that he just might do that. And so Lord God, we come before you. Uh, Father, you are powerful. And, and Lord, you're so rich. Uh, God, you, you own everything. Even in your word, it says that you're in control of everything. You own everything. You let us borrow stuff while we're here. And Lord, you let us manage it. And so God, right now, I pray that you would just bring over us this ability to manage well, uh, that you would help us to, to eradicate fear and to make decisions that honor you. Lord, help us to be more kingdom-minded and kingdom-focused. Lord Jesus, we look forward to the day when you're gonna come back. Uh, we're so glad that you're here and you rose from the dead and that's amazing, you ascended to heaven, but would you come back? Like we want you to come back and Lord, we want you to be proud of us when you return of what we've done and how we've managed well. And so God, as you bless us, Lord, would you enable us to bless others, to give towards you out of the generosity of our heart. Lord, I pray for a movement of generosity. Lord, I pray for the spirit of generosity to enter into Grace Church even more than what it's done, that those that are in need would not be in need, but that their needs would be met because of you. God, you're incredible. Would you fund the vision? Lord, would you pour out your spirit Lord, would you put the ones in front of us that we need to love on and have compassion for? God, we, we know that you're gonna do that. We look forward to seeing it happen. In Jesus' name, amen.